Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. But uh, today we're going to talk about uh, God's will again. We've been doing that for the last few weeks, but I really want to start getting maybe away from more the theoretical side of it uh, or, or the theological side of it uh, and talk about how we actually do it in our day-to-day, maybe push more into that. How do we actually do this in our real life? Okay, I understand, right, if I'm walking in God's ways, I'm in His will. Uh, but on a day-to-day basis, what's that look like? And I, I guess one of the how we could probably frame this best and what's kind of caught my attention the most is God's will is, what we've sensed from scriptures, God's will is more about who I am or who you are rather than where you are. So what does that mean? It means that I could be working in McDonald's or for Super Value or for Tesco's and God's maybe not as worried about who you're working for rather than, or where you're working rather than who you are. So... Do you, when you're there, do, do people sense love in your heart? Do people sense humility or, or do they sense pride? Who are you when you're doing the work? Who are you when you show up to the staff room? Are you someone with a crude mouth or, or are you someone who's gossiper when you're there? Because listen, if you represent and you have the love of God in, in your heart, you understand God's ways because that's how you get the love of God. You understand who he is, his character and and then you worship him, and it all starts to like come alive. So this is why I truly believe that we can talk about discipleship all day. And, and, and I've heard this time and time again, where you go to church, and sometimes it's all about just more word, word, word. But what I see in the Bible is I, I want you to walk more in my ways, 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 because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I think sometimes we can miss the mark as followers of Christ, because we think we're so focused on just getting more knowledge, getting like a fat calf, you know, just getting, getting more food. But, but are we actually growing? Are we actually changing? To me, true discipleship is when I can go into a room and people sense more love, more they can see obedience in my life to God in the way that I talk, in the way that I work, in the way that I sacrifice that's, to me, true discipleship. It's not just reading your Bible more and getting puffed up with knowledge and, and you think because you understand. This is what can happen. We think sometimes because we understand more of the Bible, we're better Christians. That's a lie. Because <laughs> the de- Satan himself knew Scripture and he tried to use it against He tries to use it against us. Tries to use, tried to use it against Jesus and and. And so we've got to be aware that true discipleship and walking in God's will is about who am I? When my identity changes, who am I changes. When I become, my identify as a, as a believer and a follower, my identity shifts. And you cannot not change when your identity shifts. I was actually looking at one of those uh, diet experts <laughs> They're talking about how to really lose weight. Not that I'm trying to, you know, baggy shirt and all that, but one, one thing they were actually saying, to really succeed, you have to change your identity. You have to stop seeing yourself as somebody who overeats. It, it actually, if you want something that lasts, it starts with identity. 
It doesn't start with just trying something for six weeks and then you go back to normal. It changes by, no, this is who I am. Now, I am fit. I am healthy. I, I don't overeat late at night even though I'm hungry. I, this, my identity doesn't allow me to because I've changed who I am. Still working on that, by the way. Still a work in progress. But identity and is key. And then how you act more than what you do. It's only because you're stacking shelves in one shop or the other. How are you doing it? Are you doing it with excellence? Because if you're doing it with excellence, it shows that there's value. You know, maybe you've got a family or your mother or father. Okay, that's great. That's what you're doing. But how are you doing it? Are you giving scraps away? Are you putting all your energy into your phone and giving scraps away? Or, or maybe uh, in your workplace, okay, you're both, everyone's doing this, a similar type job in, in a similar scenario, but, but how? In the same way as the church, okay, we're a church, we, we praise Jesus, we give him glory, all that kind of stuff, but, but how, how are we really, are people coming in and, and sensing the clickiness? We've all, all been there where you're like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. I pray, pray to God that we will never become that church. And as soon as I see it, I will call it straight out. I promise you, it'll get awkward very quick. <laughs> and it takes effort to cultivate that culture. It takes not inwardness, but outwardness. It takes having perspective, realizing the bigger picture, that the life, the life just isn't all about me. In my wee world, actually the true riches of life aren't found in me. They're found in connecting to God and connecting to people. It's just the way God has wired us. And so if we can get on, not, not just about what we're doing, we're not just worshiping, we're not just going through the motions, we're not just going through rituals. No, no, we're coming here with humility and coming under, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to come under God's mighty hand. And he's going to line some stuff up for us, but, but we're not going to be chasing. We're not going to be trying to manipulate God to get our way. Come on, we've, we do that sometimes when we pray. So we're going to talk about this today. We're going to talk about his ways. And I really feel like this is an important message for us to grasp how to really elevate our thinking in, in a way that, where we see things God's way and not our way. And what I love about this is this all points towards the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, it starts off with love, joy, and peace. Like, I can stop right there. I don't really need to go any further. And then there's gentleness, and there's kindness, and there's self-control, and there's long-suffering. Oh, I don't like that one. And so the question I've got to ask myself is, Phil, can you actually love somebody? How, how do you react, Phil, if you, if you go to maybe reach out to a friend and you don't get the same love that you had expected to get back when you were preparing to go to them or spend time with them or you, you invite them to something and they reject you, how do you react? Honestly, not well a lot of the time. And what I know as, tr as a true disciple, as someone who's trying to grow and be sanctified, how I grow is I, every time I get better, I, I, I can still love that person despite rejection, despite a feeling that they don't like me anymore. That's hard. That's hard work. It's nearly impossible in some ways if your heart's in the wrong place. And so how I know as a person that I'm growing, 
And one of the hardest questions I've had to ask myself is, Phil, how do you love this person right now? Maybe you're in a friendship circle, something's happened or, or with your spouse or in work, and somebody's just maybe been intentionally mean or, or, or evil, even you could say. One of the hardest questions to answer is, how do I love this person right now? If there's conflict in, in, in church or there's conflict in community of any kind, if I'm trying to lead well, the one question I want to ask people is, well, okay, this has happened. It's not fair. The sin against you or whatever it is, you've been left out. Question. Before God, his perspective, not yours, on, on this limited level, how do you love that person right now? And you, you'll know straight away, um, <laughs> that means I can't get them back. That means I can't retaliate with, this, with the same weight that they retaliated with me. That means, but, but it also means that the curse, the cycle of sin is broken. It also means the weight that you carry is gone. It also means that you're not being controlled by outward people and scenarios and you walk free. That's good news. But for me, true discipleship is that. It's taking the word and actually working it and walking it out but the problem is you can't do it without faith and trusting that God will work it out for you and trusting that by you not submitting to your fleshly desires of revenge, that, that God is somehow going to work all things out for you no matter what anyone else is doing. Amen? And so I was, I was thinking about a church uh, that I followed when I was uh, studying and it was, it's called Healing Place Church and they actually are the church that, that started Servolution that we are now participating in next week. And I remember them saying this, I find it really interesting. They said, you know what we've done? Instead of trying to go for the ego approach of like, we want a church of thousands. Why? Who's that for? Who are you trying to impress? Is it just for the sake of it? Because all your mates have churches like that? Or Because or, sometimes you can fall into that mindset in any area of your life. Well, why do you want that account with how many followers? Well, why do you want that job? Why do you want that car? Who, who for? Is it going to help your family? Is it, are you going to become a better person because of it? Are you going, is your love level going to go up a notch because you have that type of car with that 3.5 turbo? <laughs> you know, what are you expecting? What is the, the, the end result of this? Who are you becoming? Okay, you've got that. That's the what. Okay, now you've got that, that, that house, that car, that fence, that, that lovely grass. It's green. Oh. Okay, now you've got it. What are you going to do? You just go tell your neighbors, hey, look at your grass, mate. That's, actually, the neighbor came over last night, if he's listening, came over to me and says, Phil, how did you do that? <laughs> he's like, I'm jealous. Your grass is terrible, mate. His is full of weeds because he didn't water it. <laughs> Anna, did he come over? Came over, he says, Phil, how did, man, your grass. And he, he, I, I, my only answer was I just watered it. I have nothing... Crazy to tell you, apart from I was just faithful in watering it day and night through the drought season. And it's a bit like our lives. What in your life is full of weeds? Maybe it's just because it's not about what you're looking for, the destination. Maybe it's more about the daily attitude, your daily faithfulness. And this church that I was, they, they were talking about, right, we want to we reach people but we don't want to just chase a number or a destination because everyone else has done it. 
And they said, you know what we want to focus on? We want to grow seven people every week. We want to reach seven people every week. And if you do the math, seven times 17 years, seven people every week for 17 years, you end up with 6,000 people reached. And it happened. They, they, they end up with a church of 7,000 plus people. Why? Because they kept focusing on the one. They kept focusing on the individual conversation. It wasn't just about the big, about the destination. We're in your life. What is it for you that you need to stop focusing on the big, stop focusing on the end stuff? And, and God wants to focus more on who are you? Has your, yeah, you might have 7,000 people or whatever, 7,000 in the bank, but who are you at the end of it? Are you, have you grown in your love? Have you grown in your peace with God? Have you grown with your love and your joy? Have you grown in your, in your patience with your family? Maybe for some of you, it's, it's being a mother. At the end of 17 years, have you more love in your heart or less? Because maybe if you have less so many years down the line, is it something to do with what you're watering? Is it something to do with how often you're showing up? Is it something to do with falling for the lie of society that, that life is found in these destinations which leave you with a, with a field of weeds and, and leave you going over to the neighbor's house and asking, hey, how did you get there? I just watered it. It wasn't, it's not rocket science. And I honestly believe the way God has wired us, life isn't complicated. We make it complicated. Sin complicates it. Amen. So we're going to look at a scripture here in the book of Thessalonians. I was actually at a church plant, funny enough, a few years ago in Thessaloniki. And... Uh, just interesting that, that this is who Paul was, he planted a church in, in, in Greece, uh, and here he is speaking to this church, and he says, at the very end, I, I need to un, help you to understand the context, because context is so important, this is cheesy, but it's true, if you take the text out of the context, you, you're left with a con, and so we, we always got to look at the context sometimes in our life. A lot of the reasons we feel down, discouraged, is because we're, we've conned ourselves into thinking that we're missing out, that everybody else has got a good and we haven't. Why? Because we're looking at reels online. I was talking to this to my friends yesterday and just talking about how it's, it's interesting. We're just about to take a, a picture of all of our friends out in the garden. It's blue skies. We're in the countryside. It's gorgeous. And people are going to watch and look at our picture that we, we took, and it, it wasn't pretty 90% of the time because the kids were making all kinds of shapes, and people were all, the first one was, you know, our, so we took another one because we wanted to look pretty, right? And then it gets posted, and the people are going to look, oh, my word, their friendship circle's amazing. Oh, my word, their life's all together. Oh, my word, those families have had a smooth run. Their whole life has been no issues. It's not fair. Con. That's a con. If you've seen that picture, you got conned. I promise you. Because each one of those people have got a story and they've had dips in their journey and it has not always been easy. But they're just a bunch of imperfect people who have came together for a good day. It was a good day. One day. Good hour. One hour. 24 hours in a day. But that's how we live our life and so we've got to be careful. And so it goes on to say here in Thessalonians, uh, one, 
Paul is speaking to the church. He says, you've got to remember these things. But he actually started the chapter with this. He was talking about, hey, listen, you're children of the light, not of the dark. Listen, there's a day coming that the Lord will return. This is the context. He's not just speaking, hey, just rejoice, be happy, whatever. He's saying, listen, there's a context here. The day is coming. In the grand scheme of things, you're on the earth for but a vapor. Just a small amount of time. It's not long, but you're children of the light. And so within that context, this live as children in the, in the light. Let, let's receive the word of truth. Let's not fall for the cons. Let's not invest in things and neglect our gardens and, and then wonder why we're, we have no hope and, and we feel down and discouraged. And so he goes on to say in, in verse 16, rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks. Everybody say thanks. Give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So that's it. That's God's will. So if you want to know how to start in God's will, this is an unbelievable place to start. I'm sure during this last year or so, some of you have woke up and your soul is weary. And you feel tired and you're wondering, when is this thing going to end? Or, or, or when is this thing just going to shift? Maybe it's just in a personal situation. I'm just waiting for breakthrough. And it's uh, like, is the valley, have I camped out in the valley? Or is this valley just very long? And you're waiting for something to break or shift. Even in your heart, you're maybe trying to forgive someone, but you still feel bitterness and still feel a desire to get revenge. And all that kind of stuff is going on. And I honestly believe this is a way out for you. So number one, rejoice always. Well, what does rejoice always really mean? It means, so we all need an anchor for our soul. What does an anchor do to the ship? When the ship is swaying and there is a storm, we're not denying that there's a storm, but what an anchor does is it keeps the ship steady. It causes the ship not to drift into, into more danger and it holds it tight through the hardest of storms. And so God's word is the anchor for our soul. So that means when you go through all kinds of emotional circumstances, and there's loads of movement on the externals, on the outside of you, relationships, job, finances, family, that the anchor holds you. Because it will pass. And that season will end but, but the problem is you don't want the season to sabotage your story, to sabotage your purpose, to sabotage your position and your posture. And so the, the, the soul is anchored by the word. And so when we say we're rejoicing, we're not saying we're happy about our situation. We're not saying we're happy about our sin. We're saying, God, we're meditating on your word and, and we're celebrating the goodness of God, not the failure of man or people in our lives. And that's what we do every weekend. We're not up here singing, How good am I, Lord? Worthy am I, Lord? Is that in tune? William, put that auto-tune on. Come on, help me. But we're not singing that. We're singing, Worthy is the Lamb. We're singing, Praise to God our Father is over all. He's got the big perspective from up high. He sees like a helicopter sees the bigger picture. He can connect the dots. He can prepare a way. And he's worthy. 
And he was the servant of all. It was the cross is where we begin. See, Paul was really saying to the Thessalonians, listen, let's begin at your salvation. When it comes to being thankful and being in the center of God's will, you've got to begin at the cross. You've got, got to begin at, at the biggest problem in your life, which is your sin. Because when we're thinking about eternity, the sin is the problem. When we're talking about uh, what's going to hold you back from living forever and eternal life, it's, 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 it's the sin. And so we, when we talk about getting into the center of God's will, we always begin at the cross and salvation. And that's where be things begin to shift. Why? Because that's the root of the problem. That's, the, that's where the weeds begin, under the soil. And so we meditate on God's word, not on our circumstances. We cast our disappointments to the feet of the king. You know, let's be honest, what holds us back from rejoicing is disappointments. Sometimes you realize, oh my word, I'm going to have to mature here because I, I, I was happy praising God when everything was good. But, but now this ideal situation didn't work out and I don't feel like praising any longer. And so at, at that moment, you've got to ask, right, something bad has happened here. Maybe I had believed that everything was going to be easy because I followed Christ. But actually, when I read the scripture, that's not the case. Because some, what's this? There were some people who had to die whilst also being in the center of God's will. Now, God gave them the grace to do that. He gave them the power and the energy and the, uh, and, and the ability but they, they were in the center of God's will and they died for it. Jesus died for it. I don't think we're all called to die for it, by the way. Can I get an amen? We're not all called to be martyrs, but, but there are some people in the center of God's will give their life. No greater sacrifice can somebody give to somebody than to give their life for a brother. And so we're casting our disappointments to the feet of a king. Number three, we're, re we're resting in his timing. One of the reasons what stops us from rejoicing is timing. Why? Really, because I don't, that's not, God, if I was you, I wouldn't have done it in that time. I don't think that's good timing, God. But actually, the Bible says, do not give up in well-doing. Keep showing up. Continue on. Showing up. Be Keep watering the grass, Phil, whether you feel like it or not. And eventually, a harvest will come. But one of the reasons we stop rejoicing and worshiping because we believe that God's timing's off. Or, 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 but, but what I find in my life is actually at the very point of me giving up and surrendering, that's when God comes through. Because God wasn't, God isn't trying to delay things for us. He's waiting often on us to give in and surrender. And, and the last point here, surrender yourself with those who love you. So, so at, at this barbecue I was at yesterday, all my mates are just like gym freaks. Well, most of them. And so, and so they've all been working out constantly for 30 plus years. And, and what, what do we end up doing? Going into his, my mate's a, a strength and conditioning coach. And what do we end up doing? Going to his garage where there's tons of equipment. And what we thought was fun as games was to hang from a bar and see who could hang the longest. Even the wives got involved. They didn't have a choice. It was pure peer pressure. And it was actually, it worked against the lads in the end because it was one of the wives that won. We were rubbish. She got, 
minute plus just hanging on the bar. Or, you know, it was like a rope. We were all like thinking we were about to impress, you know, the ladies. But there you go. Sisterhood and all that. But what we found was in that culture is we all were, were able to go beyond our personal best. Because everyone in the room was championing each other. We were supporting each other. And listen, it's the same way with rejoicing God. We need people who are like-minded, full of faith, to be speaking into our lives. That's why we have a prayer team. There's times I've went to Liz and Ian's house to, for help. I need help rejoicing here because I'm struggling. My flesh is crying out. I don't want to do certain things. I feel it's hard for me right now. What's going on? And they, they spoke against it in Jesus' name. And something broke. And I'm not the first, so there's your invite in Eliza's house. <laughs> and it helped me to move. It helped my soul to shift. It helped my soul to get anchored in a new position in a healthier way. And I move forward. Rejoice always. What does rejoice always do? This is what it does. It releases stress. It releases worry. It causes growth. It maintains humility. It progresses through pain. It never gives up. And it protects against idolizing. And that's why we rejoice. You know, I was, I was watching UFC. Well, the highlights this morning, McGregor got beat. What about it? But he can't, when you think about it, I was very interested in how the, the guy Poirier, who was meant to be, he was fighting last night. Um, his reaction was, because they had fought before and, and, and McGregor won the first fight and then this was the third fight and he got beat. And, and he was saying that this guy McGregor got into his head the first time because he was like focusing on him and what he was saying and he was letting this external force, a person, impact his attitude, impact who he was. And in, in, in turn, he lost his composure. And he says, but, but now on the third fight, I've learned some things through adversity. I let adversity and failure become my teacher and now I don't see him as somebody who can impact me because my identity is anchored not on outside but on inside he actually he said this was interesting he said actually you know what I actually don't really care so much anymore with the result as much as I did in other words he surrendered the idol of victory he surrendered the idol of first place what, what for? Well, he's into charity work now, and he's, into, he's got a purpose of raising a family. So over the course of what, whatever it was, eight, ten years, he's let go of the idol of success. And what happened? Success. He conquered his enemy, not through trying in his own might, not through trying to work everything out, not through being fear-driven, trying to impress the crowd, but when he surrendered his success, he won. I'm telling you, that's the way God has wired us. That's the way God has built us, that, that we're not supposed to chase idols. We're supposed to chase purpose. And purpose comes free from Jesus. And when we surrender our life, you know what comes? Confidence. Not in external situations, internally. And actually what begins to happen is you begin to succeed. And you become, because if you were employing someone, for instance, do you want someone that's topsy-turvy, up and down, inconsistent? Or do you want someone that's always confident, even when they fail? Somebody that when they get feedback, they don't get offended and run off, but they actually take it and they're going to grow. That's, that's a lesson. That's who you want. And that's why I believe that we need to have our soul anchored, not in what people's opinions are, but our identity in Christ. Because what happens is success. 
what, 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 what do you define by success? I don't mean worldly success where you get more and more money and more and more fame because that doesn't work anyhow. Like Poirier has found out. His success was in purpose in loving people. Can you get an amen? Number two, pray continually. You know, I, I found it really interesting a few times where I'd been praying and just sensed, um, sensed God speaking to me some things. I wasn't sure if it was God or not. And then I, I went to a counselor, an expert in the field that I was, I was dealing with, uh, and they actually said the exact same that I, thing that I sensed. And I was like, man, if I get good at praying with God, I could save myself some money. I wouldn't have to pay for the counselor any, any longer because what I sensed lined up. And that was just a thought. I'm not saying you shouldn't go. It's good to get confirmation. It's good to have wise Christian counsel. But I just find that interesting because if you can think about what prayer is, think about the most loving and the most truthful and the most graceful and the most peaceful feedback you could ever get from a mentor. And that's what prayer is about. The prayer is the most life-giving source that you could ever possibly connect with on this earth. That's what prayer really is. God communicates with us through prayer, but, but it's to move us forward into purpose. It's to also heal our wounds. It's to also give us an anchor through storms. It's to give us vision. It's to give us dreams, but it's all about loving God and loving people. Prayer, and if we can continue to connect to the most life-giving source that we can ever connect to on the earth, then, then what's going to happen is we will be anchored and we will be faithful. And if we can connect to people who are like-minded, then all of a sudden we've got a perfect storm, as they say. And progress happens. Purpose happens. And all of a sudden you don't have just a, a mindset that is low and it's just thinking about the next week. You're thinking about eternity. You've got a big perspective. You're like looking down from the roof top and you're realizing, right, I'm, I'm, I'm leading a family here. And I need to be faithful for the next 20 years to do a good job. I need to grow in love. I need to grow in patience. And I'm t some of you, I, I know there's probably some parents in here that know that their children are very good at giving you opportunity to grow in patience and grow in love. And maybe some of your jobs that you're in right now, some of you know that, oh my word, I'm having tons of opportunity to grow in long-suffering. This is, and you can look at it two ways. You can look at it as a threat or you can look at it as preparation and an opportunity to become more like Christ. But I'm telling you, if you choose the first option as a threat and, and you get suspicious and you start, you'll start to gossip, you'll lose your peace, you'll stop growing, you'll become less attractive for the next employer and things won't go well. But, but, but if you, you go with God and, you, and you, you anchor your soul in his word and say, God, I don't care what's happening on the outside, God, you're, you're moving in my life. And you're using my enemies. You see, David needed Saul. Saul was his preparation to become king. So what if you started to shift that? All of a sudden, nothing can stop you. All of a sudden, no, feat is, no defeat is final. All of a sudden, you can continue to get up and get better. True discipleship. Discipleship is a learner in process. See, when prayer filters my decisions... Through God's way, his purity, his love, and his truth are all encompassed in that. This is what I love about prayer, and we talk about being thankful. We're not just talking about random, th God, thank you for the food before me. That's great. 
that's, that's a good thankfulness, but it's very surface. And I think sometimes we need to go deeper in our thankfulness. God, thank you for salvation. God, thank you, you saved me from my sin that was so destructive, it would end me eternally. God, thank you for, for my family and the call of God on my life. Thank you for the covenant that you've made. What if we prayed those regularly? God, thank you that in the face of my enemy, you, you set a table for me. Thank you that I am a conqueror. Not just a conqueror, but actually more than a conqueror. What does that mean? I keep going back for more. I keep growing through adversity. Lastly, give thanks. It says give thanks in all circumstances. That, that's what I'm saying. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how unfair, we were never promised life would be perfect. But sometimes we gravitate towards those ideas that it could be. And therefore we put God's promises in, a, in effect picture. It's a con. And then we feel let down and we don't want to rejoice because we believed a lie in the first place. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. Because thankfulness begins at the cross. So we're going to do a little thing here to finish off. To try and get it into your head. I hope you remember this. I'm going to give you a situation here. This is maybe a potential situation you would fall into. So this is a person... I'm currently emotionally focused on, on why I don't feel good. I'm frustrated at relationships and why they're not meeting my needs and why it didn't happen the way I wanted it to. I'm disappointed at my work and how it's going. Finances are causing me stress. I had an ideal situation and it didn't work the way I wanted it to. Now, I feel inadequate, not good enough, a failure, frustrated, unthankful, annoyed. Why me? It's not fair. I guarantee you every person in this room has been or even had thoughts like that in the last month, at least once. Touching the surface even. The problem is if it develops, like my neighbor's garden it ends up bad, it's bad. And so, how do we counteract that? Well, this is, we're going we're gonna to work the word. So Jennifer, come on, put your hands together for Jennifer, my volunteer. And remember, remember we talked about perspectives, helicopter viewpoints. Sometimes when you're standing down here, you're limited and what you can see, and, and because you're limited, you th you're conned, because you think, as I look at the reel on, on Facebook, I can only see so much. I can see 5%, but it looks perfect when you're on the floor, but as you raise perspective, as you start to see 10% of somebody's life, and 15, and 30%, you start to be like, oh my word, they're more like me. I remember, <laughs> I couldn't believe it, a couple that I knew that they were very good on social media, very good on Instagram. The photos were immense. You were thinking that their life was at least 100 times better than mine. And then I found out that one of them posted a picture while they both weren't talking to each other about how much they loved each other. And I'm like, what on earth? You conned me. I was feeling awful because I was comparing myself 
to your situation, which wasn't even real in the first place. And so Jennifer's going to help us out. We're going to talk about six different levels of thankfulness. So we're going to start and see how Jennifer's perspective changes. Level one, this is how you can be thankful. My sin, my shame, my guilt is paid for. I have the promise of salvation. Thank you, Jesus. She told me to be quick. <laughs> Level two, I have breath today. I am alive. Thank you, Jesus. Level three, I was hopeless, but God gave and gives me hope as I seek his kingdom first. I have a promise for tomorrow. I have hope. Level four, my situation is unsure, but I lay it down at the feet of Jesus. I surrender. I'm now free of the ideal scenario. Level five, God, I commit to move in your ways. I trust you will lead me to your purpose in my life. I believe you're making a way even in the presence of my enemies. Level six, you will never leave me nor forsake me. No weapon formed against me can succeed in Jesus' name. I am more than a conqueror. With every setback, I, I remain a learner. I cannot be defeated. My Father runs this universe. Amen. Amen. I'm going to put our hands together for Jennifer. Let's go ahead and stand. I hope that sticks in your head every day as you're coming to start the day or maybe you're ending the day that you remember thankfulness, not just for food, but hey, let's, let's start with salvation. Let's start with sin being dealt with. Let's start with what Jesus done at the cross and let's work our way up. And I promise you this, that's exactly what you will do when you're thankful. And when you rejoice, as you will work your way up out of the emotional pit that you find yourself in, out of the hurt, out of the loss, out of the lie of believing in the ideal scenario, you'll work your way up. And all of a sudden, your soul will be anchored. And all of a sudden, you'll start to see what God sees. And all of a sudden, you start to sense what God senses, which is peace. He's seated at the right hand of the throne. He's not worried He's not freaking out about tomorrow. He allows you to be present in the moment. He is more about who you are rather than where you are or what you're doing. And it allows you to work on how you do things with a spirit of excellence, with a spirit of love, with a spirit of kindness, with a spirit of sacrifice, laying your life down on the line. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.